All right. Welcome back to Now Open the Podcast, the sex education podcast that's more sex than education. Anyway, my name's Trisha. <laughs> my name's Kai. And I am Jobim, sex changed. I'm kidding, I'm fresh. You may have noticed Jobim is gone. We had a comment. What happened to Jobim? He was eaten by a... Fuck, I forgot the name. <laughs> of what? <laughs> what are those horrors? Cosmic horror. Never mind. Anyway, I fucked that up. So this week instead, we are talking about involuntary celibates or incels, a subculture that began as a support group for the dateless that eventually evolved into a violent misogynistic hate group with a body count that rivals our very own PNP. I'm just kidding. No body count could ever rival our PNP. So in part one, we discussed the basics of being an incel, what it is, where the term came from, and the vocabulary that incels use to police and communicate with each other. This is part two of incels, where we'll talk about some of the most infamous, terrifying incels and what could be going on in the mind of someone who subscribes to this harmful ideology. Trigger warnings again. We have misogyny, rape, sex, pickup artistry, no more bestiality, I hope, violence, murder, assault, self-harm, and suicide. This podcast deals with themes, languages, and situations that may not be suitable for young audiences. If you're under the age of 18, parental guidance isn't going to help you here. Kai, let us talk us uh, talk about some of the most infamous incels. Do you have a manok? Let's go. My first manok for the night is George Sodini. On August 4, 2009, George Sodini opened fire at an L.A. fitness health club at Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Three women were murdered and nine other people were injured before Sodini killed himself. And he expressed sexual frustration and complained of constant rejections by women on a website registered in his name. Sodini and his actions have been embraced and glorified by some members of incel communities who sometimes refer to incel violence as going Sodini. The next incel that we're going to talk about is the next person that they term going something. So we're going to talk about Elliot Rogers, our everyone's favorite incel. Just kidding. So... We've already established that Elliot Rogers wrote a manifesto and went on a little bit of a killing spree, but his exact body count would be six people. He murdered six people in a spree killing, and he injured 14 others before killing himself in 2014. So as we mentioned in part one of this episode, we connected Invol, like the first Invol 
murder, mass murder to Elliot Rogers. And this really kind of brought to light the misogyny and glorification of violence that is the mainstay of many incel communities. And he was one of the first to really self-identify as an incel. And he wrote the longest manifesto known to mankind. Guess how many pages he wrote, Presh? How many do you think Elliot Rogers wrote? No idea. 500. That is a lot of pages. <laughs> no, Elliot Rogers wrote 137 pages discussing his involuntary celibacy and why he wants to take revenge on all of the women that rejected him. So he was an active member of the pickup artist community and he referenced it several times in his manifesto and today his legacy is that if you go on a mass murder spree i don't think they call it going sedini anymore it's more likely that they will actually call it going er or going elliot rogers what a legacy to have amazing amazing work elliot rogers (laughs) okay for our next incel we have william atkinson who killed two people before killing himself on december 7 2017 in aztec new mexico in a shooting at aztec high school where he had previously been a student he had used the pseudonym elliot roger wow on several online forums and praised the supreme gentleman a term Roger has used to describe himself, which has since become a common reference among incel communities. Atkinson had also posted far-right content online. Hmm. Next wow. up, we have Nic- Nicholas Cruz. Nicholas Cruz was accused of killing 17 people and injuring 17 others on Valentine's Day 2018 in a shooting at Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Allegedly also motivated by other extremist views, Cruz had previously posted online that Elliot Rogers will not be forgotten. They literally call this man Saint Elliot. Like, I feel like people watched him and were like, I can do that too. I can vent out my frustration by murdering like dozens of people or several people. And unfortunately, our next incel also took some notes. We have Armando Hernandez, who opened fire in a mixed-use development in 2020. This was during the pandemic. This man did not get the stay-at-home orders. And he went out and shot a bunch of people. There were quite a few uh, critically injured, and some suffered minor injuries. As far as I know, I don't think there are any bodies associated with this guy. So thankfully, everyone left that incident alive but we can't ignore that hernandez did also self-identify as an incel and he also said that he wanted to target couples specifically because i guess he was very frustrated that he could not be in a relationship so he also apparently okay this is like a, a very interesting extra bit about hernandez he sent a video of the attack to a woman he wished to impress Sexy. Can you imagine getting that video? No. It's like, I don't want I don't even want to imagine it. It's like I'd rather he send me a dick pic for the rest of my life. Every day for the rest of my you life. You know what I mean? Like just give me different angles, like just miniature, like just different ways to show me your dick. Just don't don't do that. No, just don't do that. Don't do that. All right. How about one last incel? Okay, so we have Alex Minasian. Am I saying that correctly? 
Right, on April 23rd, 2018, vehicle ramming attack in Toronto, Ontario, Manasian was convicted of 10 counts of first-degree murder and 16 counts of attempted murder. That's a high-ass fucking number, y'all. Sorry for swearing. But shortly before the attack, Manasian had allegedly posted on Facebook that the incel rebellion has already begun and applauded Roger. Oh my gosh, of course he does. And the term incel rebellion is sometimes used interchangeably with the term beta uprising, which refers to a violent response on incels' perceived sexual deprivation. Following the attack, a poster on a website created to supersede a hashtag, uh, what is this? Backslash our incels wrote about Minisian. I hope this guy wrote a manifesto because he could be our next new saint all right and that was the newsstand now sitting so the reason why we listed all of these incidents is because we really want to drill home the fact that in seldom it's violently misogynistic it's not your run-of-the-mill microaggressions mansplaining or even your run-of-the-mill sexual harassment which should not we should not have a run-of-the-mill for that but we do it's something even more intense you know it's something that is there's an entire subculture of these people and it's really difficult to understand them. It's really difficult to see how they got to this point where they're committing mass murder. And that's not mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. we should take lightly. We should take these people seriously because they are forcing us to take them seriously. You know, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they have a body count already, even though according to one of our comments, the incels claim not to have a body count. I guess they don't claim to, but, you know, we can tie several incidents. So after this break, we will be talking more about what could go on in their minds and how this happens. And hopefully, maybe, you know, if this is something that you're getting into or someone that you know is getting into, hopefully you can nip it in the bud before it gets there by understanding how they work. I must have lost it along the way, the smile you gave me. Love me only until here I would have held it dear Oh, my memory betrays me The touch of your skin just won't escape me If I'd known that you'd be gone I wouldn't have held on Maybe this would be easier But oh, oh That was How Can I Forget A new release from singer-songwriter Erin Lee Shortly after the release of her debut EP, Paper Flowers, Lee has never let her style of vocal harmony and instrumentation keep her within the confines of a single genre. Using her creativity and versatility as a self-taught producer to branch out into the OPM scene even further, she is one of the faces that make up two of her other side projects, namely acoustic duo CJ and Aaron and Lily Stars Records indie folk duo Lily on the River. You can stream their music now on Spotify. And if you are an artist that wants to be featured on the show, we would be honored. Send your clips to nowopenph at gmail.com. Kai, why don't you take us into one of our segments for today? For today's opening up, we have an anonymous letter. They write, Dear Now Open, I feel like I'm on the brink of lesbian bed death. 
what do I do to spice things up? I love how it just went quiet with the three lesbians. I know, right? Three gay girls. It do be like that, baby. It do be like that. <laughs> it do be like that sometimes. So does anyone want to go first? I'll go first. So first, I want to dissuade the notion of lesbian bed death as a separate phenomena from general dead bedrooms. There's no proof that lesbians have more bed death than heterosexual or gay homosexual couples. This is not true. It's just the, a lot of the studies that showed these results didn't have very specific verbiage about what sex contains. So to most people, sex is like some kind of penetration, right? So people answering the survey were like, well, we didn't do penetration the last time, so we didn't have sex. Then there's also the idea that um, as a person who has had sex with both men and women, having sex with men takes like five minutes, maybe 10 mm. if you're lucky. But having sex with women is like 45 minutes, 30 minutes if you're lucky. <laughs> so you, you can do a quickie with, with lesbian sex. A quickie is like 30 minutes. <laughs> I know, but like the heterosexual quickie, you know what I mean? Like, oh, we're gonna like fuck in the bathroom and finish up in 15 minutes. Right. So really the explanation behind lesbian bed death as we know it is because, you know, lesbians have less sex maybe, but they're also has it says nothing about pleasure. So you could be having not a lot of sex, but you could still have a lot of pleasure. So my advice based on all these statistics that I've just said is to find ways to introduce pleasure. Whatever kind of intimacy, it may not be sex directly. It could be mutual masturbation. It could be watching porn together. It could be phone sex. It could be basically introduce pleasure back into the equation. And that's all you need. It's not about frequency. It's about pleasure. Talk to your partner. Figure it is. Figure out what it is that makes you both hot and horny. Do that. I personally think that it's a communication thing. I mean, you can be effective communicators. Like, you can be great communicators, right? But, like, that doesn't necessarily translate into, like, the bedroom all the time. Because, I mean, communicating about certain things, like, in the relationship, like, like vanilla things in the relationship might not always translate to, like, the things you could, like, talk about in bed. That's what I think, at least. So it's, like... For example, you've both communicated, you want to try this, you want to try that, right? But, like, it still gets murky as to, like, how far you can go. Or, like, sometimes someone's too tired to even do the fantasy you talked about, you know? Yeah, I think, I'm not really, I'm not really like, giving advice, am I? I'm just, like, feeling this person really hard. So, yeah, that's all I have to say. I think for me, it's not much, this isn't really much of how do I spice things up, but it's more of what is the reason behind that quote-unquote lesbian bed death? I'm assuming that you are with a partner or you have somebody that you're having sex with and you used to have more sex than you are having sex right now. I, that's that. Those are just my assumptions that I'm reading your post, right? And so... I think my mindset is usually coming into what is happening, what changed, 
why have things changed and how do we address or how do we adjust to these kinds of changes, right? So it's not really more of spicing things up, but it's kind of looking into why things happen and maybe you can find something that you could draw from and say like, oh, maybe this was an issue. Maybe because uh, she's just tired because of work or maybe because she doesn't find me attractive when I pick my nose or something like that, you know? It's just, it's just it's stuff like that where why does my partner not want to have sex with me or why do I not want to have sex with my partner? And once I feel like once you tackle that, then you are on like your next way into breaking that lesbian bed death almost at the brink of lesbian de- bed death that's that's just personally what i think and how i would go about if i were in your situation that's amazing advice i, I go with what they both said I think. <laughs> I think we should replace jobim with Bresh for opening up at the very least because jobim does not give the best advice jobim will give you someone else anti-advice <laughs> Whatever Jobim says, do the app. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And that was tonight's opening up. If you'd like to send us your anonymous questions or confessions, you can submit through our opening up form. If you like what you hear and you want to support your beloved sexual delinquents, you can send us money like the whores we are. For less than the price of one cup of a bougie coffee per month, you can keep your favorite sex podcast up and running for many episodes to come. It comes with a lot of goodies like extra content, special shout-outs, and exclusive access to a VIP customer channel on Discord. You can even suggest an episode. It helps us out a lot, and we really appreciate it. You can donate now at co-fi.com slash nowopenph. That's ko-fi.com slash nowopenph. And now, back to the show. All right. So now let's go back to the discussion. Let's talk about the incel mindset. So like, what is it about this, the ways in which incels would pretty much like think about, I mean, we've been talking about the the entire night and we've had this preposterous, like, at least I think we've had this really preposterous viewpoint. Like, why are you doing this? So let's look into the incel pipeline and go a little bit deeper into that and try to figure out why they do what they do. So first off, the incel mindset. Now, according to a study where um, through an online ethnography or a tracing through time of incel-identified subreddits and a deep reading of Elliot Rogers' manifesto, this researcher found that social sexual capital is paramount to incels. Incel-identified communities now hold a fairly stable view that work or financial capital and fitness or a practices of socialization, erotic capital, that they, they find that financial and erotic capital are useless. Effectively, they see social sexual capital as the ultimate marker of status and do not believe that they can exchange other forms of capital for sexual access. Here, they see themselves as being owed access to women owed a degree of social sexual capital and do not acknowledge an element of exchange present in the sexual marketplace that they envision. Question, what do you mean by social sexual capital, financial capital? What are all these about? So financial capital is basically work, right? So like earning money, you know? So when they say social capital, it's kind of like what makes you, I don't know how to say it, like 
it's it kind of it's what gives you value in society, right? It's your perceived attractiveness and like how desirable you are in society, I guess, right? Is that what it is? Like, so yeah, that, that's social sexual capital. So when you say social capital, like a general term, social capital, that's kind of what parang gives you worth or what you believe gives you worth in society, right? So when you say social sexual capital, it's like the social capital that you have in society is ultimately tied to what Trisha just said, like looks, like your sexual prowess, shit like that, you know? To what this researcher found, and I'm sorry I'm not mentioning her name, I kind of like missed it putting here, but the um, citation is in the post. What this researcher found is that financial capital, like money, erotic capital, like fit, yeah. okay, cool. Be tra- flirting, these are useless because social sexual capital, the things that Trisha said, is what they believe is the ultimate marker of status. So they can't exchange that for other things. They believe that that's like the, the paramount um, the paramount marker of status in society. But what they see is they, they, they're, they're owed that. They're owed access to women. They're owed a degree of this sexual cap, social sexual capital. But they don't acknowledge that it's an exchange. Like, if a woman gives this to you, you have to give it back to them. It's like a two-way road. They don't acknowledge that. So that's one thing she found. Did I make that? Is that clearer? And then, second, what she found is that it's a competition with other men. The way they view the world. So the study really just tried to understand how do they view the world, right? So sec- first, it was social sexual capital being paramount. Second, it's a competition with other men. There's her name, Menzi. Menzi, the researcher, found that incels desire a prescribed status and power that they believe is earned through having an objectively desirable romantic partner in order to display their masculinity and attractiveness to other men. So, in essence, what they see is that women are like Stacy's are like their key to going above other men. And lastly, what she found is that they believe in the sex deficit. So incels perceive their experiences as one of a sex deficit where they are there's deficit of sex for them. They don't get enough sex. That creates a deterministic and pessimistic framework for how incels read their own status. That's what pushes their need for social transformation. That sex deficit, that idea na, um, I don't have enough social sexual capital. I'm not hot enough. I am not. I'm essentially not hot enough, not fit enough, not cool enough. That's kind of what incites their need for social transformation in the way they see fit. They see displays of femininity as performative, moreover, and directed towards the approval of men. So it's kind of like women are seen as tokens towards their going above other men. So that's kind of like how incels would view the world in a nutshell, according to Menzi. Okay. So I have a couple of other theories, and I will admit I mostly cop this from YouTube philosopher ContraPoints, also known as Natalie Wynn. Uh, she had a 2018 video essay called Incels, 
where she proposes what is called Foppington's Law. So I think she created this one. Basically, Foppington's Law says that once bigotry or self-loathing permeate a given community, it is only a matter of time before deep metaphysical significance is assigned to the shape of human skulls. So I will not even attempt to summarize her amazing 35-minute video on YouTube. So if you want to learn more about this, please do check out her YouTube channel. But basically what she did in this video is she connected ideas of gender dysphoria because Wynne herself is a trans woman and inceldom. The idea is that the skull is permanent and unchangeable, right? You know, you are born with your skull and that's just what your skull is going to look like forever unless you get plastic surgery. And this is kind of symbolic of the intrinsic characteristics of being a human it's kind of what people can point to and be like see it's natural and we don't see this obsession with skulls only in misogyny and insultum we also see it in like race you know how they were really obsessed with measuring black people's skulls mm -hmm. to prove that they were inferior because they were smaller so as a society we do have an obsession with skulls and human anatomy and the thing about incels is that they are obsessing over what they call a few millimeters of bone. Because if you think about it, it's really only a few millimeters of bone that stand between you and a completely different face. Like a few millimeters of bone will completely dictate how your face looks. And this is very similar to how trans women may also worry about how a few millimeters of bone make them look too masculine to pass as women. And conversely, same with trans men, that they few millimeters of lacking bone structure makes them look more feminine than they want to be. So there's this idea of self-loathing that is tied to obsession with skulls because you kind of want to say, see, it's doomed. I can't change anything about this. This is how I was born and I cannot move through this caste system of attractiveness because my skull just happened to come out a certain way. So this really aligns with that very nihilistic black mm -hmm. view. Mm -mm. And I think naturally you can take Foppington's law to further and basically call it what it is. It's a form of self-harm. So incels a lot of them these people are hurting they're people who live in a society where being partnered and having sex is like one of the top markers of humanity and life experience and maturity you know like virgin is used as an insult this is the society we live in they are hurting and they want love they want intimacy and but by subscribing to these ideas especially the idea that everything's hopeless they are internalizing this cruelty towards themselves and manifesting it towards others. And they're, they start creating these communities based on delusional, self-perpetuating, self-loathing. So Kai, I want to ask you, what do your friends do when you post a fire selfie of yourself on Twitter? Oh my God. What kind of comments like... do you get? It's like, yeah, bitch, go get it, go. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's queen. I, I'm, I'm living. You're like, yes, you look good. I'm like, bitch, I know. You know what I mean? Like, they're always like, just going supporting me. So imagine if every time you post a selfie, 
dozens, if not hundreds of people critiqued every perceived flaw in your face, whether you knew it or not. How would that make you feel? Don't ruin my shine right now. Do it later. I mean, like, yeah, it's like... Haters will hate, man. Haters will fucking yeah, hate. Yeah, but like, hate Sorry, at the right time, bitch. Like, not when I just posted my selfie. Like, let me, let me have but this now, moment. And imagine that they up. did that and you've never had sex. You've never been on a date. You've never had anyone be like, you're an attractive person. And these people shit on your selfie. How would you feel? Never mind. I feel like shit, man. <laughs> Feel like fucking shit. Never mind. <laughs> so that's kind of the mindset that we're working with here. So incels, they have this community that where they take each other down. They will post selfies of themselves, knowing that they will absolutely get destroyed by their community because everything is supposed to be hopeless, right? There's no point in trying to change yourself. So because they believe that everything is hopeless, they have to perpetuate that belief so let's say there's somebody who looks like you and you are very very successful and you look like somebody else who is an incel they will start to criticize you because if you look like them and you're not hopeless then they have to accept that they're not hopeless but they would rather criticize you and therefore themselves then accept that there might be a chance that someone might love them remember so, when i said that i know that incels is it comprises of a hate group now that we're going through it i feel as though it's not i feel a lot of it is hate towards each other more than it is hate like it's hate towards each other that is dissipated outwards towards the the world oh, absolutely women you know what I mean? They, like, they hate yeah, themselves it's a self-hating thing. Yeah, yeah, ayun. So this is apparently what is called masochistic epistemology, where we can sum this up as whatever hurts is true. So they think that because it is painful and, you know, the truth hurts, then this must be the truth. And the truth is that they are ugly and hopeless. So they continue to participate in these behaviors... Because it reinforces their already awful beliefs about themselves and the world. So they're going to perpetuate this by constantly criticizing each other. So it's no wonder that these men have awful self-esteem. Because they are doing it to themselves and to each other. Exactly. Damn, now I feel like that's like an empathetic stretch towards incels right now. And that wraps up our discussion on incels. What what did you learn tonight? What's the greatest thing you learned tonight? I'll I'll go with it. What's the greatest thing you learned tonight? Honestly, for me, incels are people. You know, um, their ideologies are shaped by their experiences and how they understand them. And Mm-mm. I don't know if I'm one to say like, okay, I'm one to say like that's fucking stupid. Sorry, again, this is my third. We should have a swear jar. I'm so not used to it. Fully fueled by fresh. These things that they, they understand are, are shaped by their experiences. And I can't be one to say that you can't believe in that, you know, because this is how you understand the world. But at the same time, this is wrong. <laughs> Objectively. Yeah, like, for know? me, it was like it, this, this episode was so hard for me. I don't know, like, it was hard for me to go through this episode primarily. I mean, I'm, like, 
a staunch feminist. Like, I mean, I study feminism. You know what I mean? Like, it was very hard for me to go through this episode, but having learned about this, about like this whole subgroup of people, like, it really helped me understand, like, you know, differing opinions and how there are really different viewpoints in the world. And at the end of the day, we are all people. That doesn't necessarily mean to say that I agree or like it's easy for me to empathize with people that would kind of that are very harmful at least in my opinion but i do agree with Prash that you these are people these are people humans are strange as randall says humans are strange <laughs> but like and humans can be man. bad humans can be bad and have bad thoughts and humans can hurt other people and like these are people who are hurting and yeah. they feel like the only way out is to hurt other people. And yes, we can blame the individual, and we do, because they still have to take responsibility for their actions. No one made them do these things. They made these choices. But we obviously have a systemic issue, and the black pillars and red pillars are not wrong here. There is a systemic issue as to why, A, we prioritize sex as some form of social capital rather than just as an activity. Like, would we judge someone for not playing tennis? No. But we judge people for not having sex, and that's one of the things that feeds into this. Another thing is, like, conventional beauty standards, and we definitely have to rip those apart because people are deserving of love and not just for physical reasons i mean we can't no that is um, true yeah. and, and we can't I completely remove physical attraction but the thing about these incels is if you look at their pictures on these subreddits where they take each other down they are totally normal looking people <laughs> they are exactly they're not henry like, cavill but neither right. am i <laughs> exactly but you know it's just like it's 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 really like it's this worldview for me that I, I, like I said you know, earlier, like it's hard for me to be empathetic for this subgroup, precisely because I have you tonight. We talked about all the shit they've done and said, toward and the things they've created, the whole system against something I, I'm obviously very biased on. You know what I mean? And I just feel like it's a like as what Carla just said. You know, just because their experiences are valid, it doesn't mean they can't be wrong. And I feel as though you know, believe in what. Personally, for me, it's like believe in what you can believe in. But once you're once you're hurting someone, that is something that you know we have to like figure out somehow. Because I don't, I can't stand by it. I just can't. We need yeah. to help these men, and we need to change some stuff. <laughs> and see that that's the danger. Like if we ostracize them, then they're not gonna listen to us. You know, and we're women. You know, we're queer women, like the three of us right now. Maybe Jobim, if you were here, then maybe they'd listen to him because he's a straight man. But the three of us are queer women, right? So where, where, how do we, you know, like like what Trisha said, like we're, we're, we want to help them out, quote unquote, help them out. But then like if we come to them and say like, oh, we want to help you out because, you know, we're queer women, of course they're not going to listen to us, right? So now I'm stumped in like this thing now. How, how do... I be compassionate towards them and how do I understand them without them shutting me out without them like saying, Oh, she's just being whatever, whatever, you know? 
Well, unfortunately, you can't help people who don't want to accept your help. And that's where we're going to end with this particular episode because there's so much more to talk about. We're definitely going to have future episodes about pickup artistry, men's rights activism, and like more of the details. But maybe through those, we can better understand what we're going to have to do to, to fix this. Because it's also, it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic. It's, it's not quite the body count of COVID, but it's getting there and it will get there if we don't do anything about it. So we'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> All right. So that is it for our episode. Uh, would you like to pronote anything Kai or Presh? Not today. No, no promotions. Okay, we're not promoting anything because this episode made us feel bad. So, <laughs> no, sorry, I was I was still busy preparing for the next uh, slide. <laughs> so instead, I will promote now. Open. It is our first anniversary this week, so I hope you y'all let me promote it a little bit. Uh, please do follow us on Facebook and Twitter. That's at NowOpenPH. And we also have a Discord where you can hang out with the hosts, fans, and friends of Now Open. I will put it in the episode description and in the comments. And you can also check out our past episodes on YouTube, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe to our coffee page that's coffee.com slash now open ph to get bonus content and other special perks we have so much going on there now just check it out it's pretty fun we have behind the scenes videos from before our episodes we got some other things going on and we will be putting way more in the coming weeks so make sure to subscribe and also if you subscribe to the vip tier you could get a 50 percent discount on all the merch that we are launching. We are launching a t-shirt and we are launching stickers and you get to save a lot of money by giving us a little bit up front. So sweet deal, I think. And don't forget to join our Twitter spaces tomorrow. That is August 4 at the now open PH Twitter. We're going to just talk about this last year, hang out with our guests. And if you want to ask us questions, if you guys want to have a chance at the mic, Tomorrow is the opportunity. So we hope to see you at 8 p.m. on our Twitter. I am excited to announce our next episode. So our next episode will be our last for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Not forever. <laughs> we are taking a two-month break in... Uh, sorry, two-month delay. Two-week break in August. So next week will be our last episode until August 31. We are talking about a topic near and dear to my heart. Our episode next week is Too Soft for Love. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about people who are super sensitive, have a lot of emotions, love so fully, but it makes it difficult to have functioning, secure relationship. Guilty! <laughs> this episode is really just for me and Presh to air out our emotional baggage. So if you'd oh, like man. to check that out, that would be next week. See y'all when we next open, everybody. Mm -hmm.